Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Here's the podcast for The Jeremiah Johnston Show. And don't forget, you can also listen live across the Faith Radio Network Saturdays at 11 a.m. Central or 12 Eastern for the entire hour. And if you want your question read on the live show, go ahead and send it to me at www.askjjj.com. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hey, Dr. John. Hello. Uh, hello. Uh, well, since you guys are Christian thinkers... Sorry, I just want to leave that question. I wanted to get your input on that. Sure, appreciate it. Thank you. God bless. That's my question. So thanks a bunch. Thank you. Welcome to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. Combining cutting-edge biblical scholarship with meaningful, thought-provoking discussions and practical answers to your questions. It's time to own your faith and be a Christian thinker with our host, author, Bible scholar, apologist, and president of the Christian Thinker Society, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. And welcome to the program. I'm so excited that you're joining us today, and perhaps this is your first time interacting with us. I just want to say it's a blessing to have you testing out this broadcast today. We have over 30 episodes since we launched last year that you can go listen to at any time on demand. This is the program that tackles the toughest questions that Christians face today. You know, as we've talked about in the past, so often people think that Christianity is irrelevant or not necessarily an answer for the questions that we have today, but the Bible shows us that the Christian faith is relevant and there are answers available to us. You know, the scriptures also challenge us to do our best. It says us for us to do this in the book of Second Timothy, where to do our best to present ourselves to God as one approved a workman who does not need to be ashamed. You know, in another passage in in Second Peter, it says that we're to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so that's really my aim for this program. And it's to really help you do your best to be the best Christian you can be. And what does that look like? Does that mean that we just go from one great experience to another? No, we grow in our walk with Jesus Christ. We grow in our faith in Jesus Christ. You know, experiences are so important in the Christian life, but don't forget, Peter had a great experience on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus, and yet in Second Peter chapter 1, he said, we have a more sure word of testimony, that is the scriptures. He never elevated his personal experiences as more important than what he could learn and grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ through the scriptures. And so that's what this that's what this program's all about. But we all need help, don't we? We we don't just arrive at being a deeper Christian um, just on our own. We don't do that in isolation. So again, thanks for joining us. I'm so excited. I want to ask for you to pray for me right now because during this broadcast, I'm actually speaking to a couple thousand college uh, university students uh, throughout the state of Oklahoma. So I need your prayers as I spoke last night, and then I'll speak a couple of times today and then one more time tomorrow. Pray for me as I challenge these students to live out their faith in what has become a hostile environment, the local university, uh, in many ways. And so please pray for me. 
We've got a great program in store for you. I've got holding for us evangelist Matt Brown. He has a brand new book coming out called Truth Plus Love. I've been excited about him joining this program for several weeks uh, leading up to today's broadcast. Thanks so much for joining us. We're going to step away for a quick break, but stay with us. We're going to be tackling those difficult questions up next. Welcome back to the program, friends. This is Jeremiah, and I am so excited to have a friend and a guest on our show for the first time who's actually no stranger here on Faith Radio Network, but this is the first time he's been on our program. I have joining us uh, today via phone, Evangelist Matt, as he's best known on his Twitter handle, but Matt Brown is joining us today on the program. Matt, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, man, it's such a privilege, Jeremiah. Big fan of yours, and... um you know, love this radio network as well. And so, man, such a thrill to be on with you. Well, thank you. Matt Brown is, of course, uh, known as an evangelist. He's known for his unique communication uh, style. And he's also known not just for live events, but we're going to dive into it, the incredible, and it really is incredible, online ministry and evangelism that's taking place, uh, which has really given rise to some of the insights that he gives in a brand new book that I want to make sure everyone is alerted to. Uh, it comes out this month of April. You might be listening to this later on the podcast, but those who are listening live right now across the Faith Radio Network, um, I'm holding in my hand Matt Brown's book, Truth Plus Love. Again, the title is Truth Plus Love. It's published by our good friends over at Zondervan. And I really like the cut line, The Jesus Way to Influence. So I'm, lear- I'm excited to learn what it means to influence the Jesus way. We talk a lot about influence in our culture. Uh, Matt and his wife, Michelle, uh, have wonderful children. Um, tell me, how many children do you guys have, Matt? So we just had our third, actually. Uh, That's right. Two boys, and we just had a baby girl uh, just literally a month ago on March 1st. And so we're just uh, just loving a lot of cuddles right now, a lot of snuggles, and uh, that part of life, that moment, and um, we're just so thankful for, for our kids. Well, that's so great, and my friend, uh, my editor friend at Fox News sent me an, a report last week from Fox, you'll love this, being, again, a daddy three times over now, that sleep patterns do not return to normal, according to this op-ed, for six and a half years after a baby is born. So, <laughs> Well, we've been in it for a while with our two oldest, so we're, we're there, and we feel like we've got this down in, in a lot of ways, just because we've been parents now for four years, and so no, we're, we're enjoying it, and of course, there's there's challenges. It's a lot of work. No one's going to deny that, but it's it's wonderful as well. And so we kind of got both going on right now. So. Well, this, that's so great. Now, Matt, we have uh, actually two audiences really that connect with us. We have our phenomenal live audience that listen across Faith Radio Network, but then uh, we have so many people that subscribe to this podcast, uh, the Jeremiah Johnston Show. And I want to encourage our friends, if you're just joining us right now, be sure and subscribe to the podcast, uh, either on iTunes podcast or in Google Play. But we have lots of people. I speak in quite a few hostile audiences, uh, what I would call secular audiences. And so we have people that aren't even Christians who give a, who give us their time, really, and listen to this program. And so tell us, Matt, for just the benefit of the entire audience that listens to this program, about Think.org, your ministry, and and just give us a sense of your bio, how you got into this uh, all to begin with, for those that are unfamiliar with it. Oh, totally. So grew up in a Christian home. Uh, my parents were not pastors, but they were, you know, 
volunteers in the church, passionate about their faith, and, um, you know, no family's perfect, but they set a great example, had a lot of love, and, um, you know, since since an early age, I sensed a call, you know, in my heart to ministry. I just kind of had this sense that I would do, you know, some type of ministry to people, uh, Christian ministry. And um, when I was in my late teens, I felt a very distinct call just at a youth conference in Minneapolis, where I'm from, where my wife and I still live, uh, to share the good news of Jesus and what he's done for us with people who are far from God, with people who are outside the church. And so that's really what we've been spending our lives doing now. Um, there was a lot of confirmations over the next you know, months and years, just from different people, mentors speaking into our lives, just from a uh, lot of different little things that you just go, man, this you can't make this stuff up. This is clearly what God has called us to do. So we've been now doing that about 18, past 18 years, uh, preaching in churches, holding events, doing online ministry. And really, you know, whether you're from a faith background or not, we just want to encourage people. We want to lift people up. We want to, of course, we want to point people to Jesus. That's really the, the primary hope is that he's changed our lives so much. Um, he's done such a significant work in our hearts on an ongoing basis. Uh, we've really encountered this powerful moment with, like, the real God. And so, mm. um, you know, we're just kind of going out of that place that it's just been amazing for us. And this is truly incredible. And so we're sharing it with sharing it with people in different ways. And, and it's just been a thrill. And, you know, I wouldn't say by any means that, you know, I think sometimes people see, like, you know, uh, preachers on television or or they hear maybe some story of, you know, some kind of, kind of crazy story of pastors or preachers who are really living it up. And I don't think that's the average or even it's just a tiny percent that experience, you know, might get into that world. But, but 99% of pastors and Christian ministers around the world are not, you know, they're, they're working two jobs to make ends meet They're You know, I've met pastors in India that are pastoring 10 churches and still not making enough from the tithe, you know, and they're sacrificing in so many ways. And, even in our own American way, you know, um, there's still sacrifices and there's, mm. there's things that we've chosen mm. not to do because this is so important to us to share what we just feel is like the most important thing that people can find out that God loves them so much that he not only just says he loves you, but he gave his son on the cross for you. And he, he loves you like no one has ever loved you in your life. If you'll receive it, you know, and he wants you to receive it and he wants you to experience it. And he wants to, to bring, hope and healing in different parts of your heart and your life. And, and it's truly the most incredible thing. So that, so we, you know, we've, in our own ways, we've been, uh, you know, we feel God's blessed us, but in a lot of ways over the years, we've sacrificed a ton just to say, we just want to like, you know, I think for the first 10 years of our evangelistic ministry, I didn't have much, really even enough money to pay myself a salary at all. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so we did, we kept doing it because we just really felt God was telling us to do it. And of course God blessed it. You know, God has um, allowed us to impact some people's lives and he's allowed us to, gain some influence like you mentioned earlier and 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 you know so we're seeing some great things but like it hasn't for sure it hasn't always it's been a god calling not something that was like natural or easy but it was is truly where god wanted us so that's that's what we've been spending our lives doing we love it and um you know just so grateful for uh for the opportunity to to share the hope of christ and Mich and I, I just love what you and michelle have done because you saw a need you sensed a calling 
and you stepped out on faith and you started something. You founded a ministry that now um, really is influencing. Truly, you influence over 2 million people a day on social media alone. You're a prolific blogger. You've written. Your bylines are so many places that our listeners would be familiar with, so many focus on the family, Christian Post, Outreach Magazine, Lifeway, and others. Uh, but I just compliment you and Michelle for for taking that initial step of faith And I think there's a lot of people listening right now that they're sensing that God has called them to do something with their life, Uh, but they're in that tension of, do I really take that step of faith? And Matt, what's, what's something out of the laboratory that you and Michelle learned where you were really ready to walk into that calling that you could give to our audience today? Totally. I love that question, actually. Um, You know, I just say, um, and and honestly, this could apply even if you're not a believer, uh, but take steps towards what you feel you're called to do what you feel your purpose is. And, and obviously, you know, especially as Christians, uh, those who are believers in Christ, God probably has put some stuff on your heart, some things that concern you, some things that you're just you keep you up at night because you're so excited about them, you're passionate about them. Find places to serve. You know, maybe you feel like you're in a waiting season of your life. Even if you're waiting in a waiting season, practice active waiting, which just means Find a way to make a difference around you and the stuff that you're passionate about that you feel like God's put in your heart in your life. And always try to be taking steps in that direction, you know, because mm. we don't get there overnight. We don't get there real quick, but we just keep stepping in the right direction, keep stepping in the way that's, that we think that God has called us. And, of course, we hope he makes it clear along the way as well. Um, mm. but, but go in that direction. Try to be a blessing. I think that's a big thing. Like, you don't have to pray about, does God want me to be a blessing to somebody? Yes. Like, find a way to change somebody's life you can't you can't change everybody's life none of us can change the whole world at once but you can change one person's life completely you know and and i think there's a pastor said do for one person what you wish you could do for every person so find a way to bless and serve your family better you know Mm. find ways to to stop arguing and, and and fighting and say hey like let's bring let's make this a home of peace that's centered around Christ, that's centered around the gospel. Find ways in your local church and in your community and your workplace to say, how can I make a difference? And that's usually kind of the initial steps into, and maybe you've got a big dream. Again, just take steps towards that, take steps towards that, and allow God to do what only he can do, but you've got to do what you can do. Amen. And I would just add a P.S. Say yes. Um, there's no secret here. Just say yes. When God's calling you, say yes to everything, every opportunity. Um, I don't care if it begins in nursing homes. Uh, my ministry began as the set-up, tear-down crew of a church plant. Just say yes. And when you're faithful with that God opportunity, you watch how the Lord will continue to increase your borders. He will increase your influence. And that opportunity that has been given to you is is really a responsibility from the Lord. Will you be faithful in this? And it's amazing how quickly things will escalate when you just start saying yes without any of the prerequisites. Uh, we only have about two and a half minutes before our first break. Matt, tell us about think.org, T-H-I-N-K-E.org. I love your website. Oh, thank you so much, buddy. Well, you know, I'd been traveling and preaching and essentially doing this ministry, and we came up with that name for it shortly after finishing Bible college. And it was out of this heart of just keeping eternity, think eternity, it's keeping eternity in front of us, living for what, from God's perspective, for what matters most in life you know, making our life count for eternity. And so that was really the heart of it. It's, it represents our evangelistic ministry and all the things that God has called us to do within that. And, um, of course, on the site, we love sharing, you know, 
I think we've shared articles from you. If we haven't, we want to be sharing your devotionals as often as we can. And we share just some great devotional content. Our heart is just to share tons of devotional content through there on a regular basis. And then we also um, are just very intentional to kind of be just doing online evangelism through social media, through Google, just to be thinking about how we can share the clear hope of Jesus with more people who need to hear it and whose lives would be changed by it and would be excited about it. And so that's really our heart and desire uh, through the site. It just represents our nonprofit, our evangelistic ministry, and everything God's called us to do. And friends, you can connect with Matt. Uh, His handles are identical across Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's at Evangelist Matt, and that's M-A-T-T, at Evangelist Matt. Connect with him on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And go ahead and check out the website, www.think.org, and you'll see links to his show, which we're going to discuss in the next segment as well. We've got to step away for a 90-second break, but when we return, as I... As I mentioned in the intro, I'm holding in my hand the advanced reader copy of Truth Plus Love, The Jesus Way to Influence. I can't wait to dive into this on the other side of our break. Stay with us. Welcome back to the program, friends. This is Jeremiah thanking all of you for joining us across Faith Radio Network and also on our podcast. I have joining us Matt Brown, and you can find him on Twitter at Evangelist Matt. I always love following him. He is always tweeting out great information that will resource and equip your Christian life. Uh, Matt, you've written and contributed to, I think, seven or eight books, uh, but Zondervan has put out this exciting new book that I should say releases in late April. So I want to let everybody know I think it releases April 23rd or thereabouts. Uh, and you can go ahead and pre-order this on Amazon. Why this book right now at your ministry career, Truth Plus Love? Because, And I want you to give us the big idea of the book, but you asked some really challenging questions for the church right there in the preface or introduction. Um, tell us, Tell us how this came to be and why now. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like, yes, I have written some other books, and I just feel like this is a life message, uh, something that has been very transformative over these past 18 years of ministry. And um, it really comes from a place of somewhere along the way, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, grew up in a a nice, uh, great church in Twin Cities in Minnesota, a small church, uh, very loving, and... um, I somewhere along the way, though, as I went into Bible college and began in the ministry, I just I got the wrong impression of what spiritual maturity looks like. And the Bible mm. talks about spiritual maturity and spiritual immaturity and that, that there's a difference and that we're as believers. We're not just called to believe in Christ, but to grow to maturity, which is obviously a lifelong process. But we should be able to see growth and a change in our knowledge, in our lifestyle as we follow Christ it should be evidence of that new creation and things like that. And for me, for some, somehow I got the impression at some point early in ministry that it was like intensity, you know, mm. how intense of a Christian you are. And over the last six years, this book has just been burning on my heart. I don't quite remember the moment that it hit, but that it actually spiritual maturity looks a lot more like the fruit of the Spirit. Mm. Galatians five twenty two and 23, which says that the work that the Holy Spirit does in our lives when we serve Christ, believe in Christ, follow Christ, trust in Christ, is love. It's more love. It's more joy. It's more peace, you know, patience and kindness and the rest of the fruit of the Spirit. And so uh, it, for me, 
changed kind of my paradigm, became a framework that I feel, honestly, I'll just say it comes from a place that I'm so hungry for in my own life. Like I want to be, I'm so hungry to grow more like this because I think this is the way that Jesus is and the way that he wants me to grow and all of us to grow. And if you think about it, you know, who doesn't want to be around a person like that who's Mm. full of love and who's full of joy and who's full of peace and who's full of gentleness? You know, and sometimes we get off on these kind of like our natural responses to culture, to the world and everything that's going on. And we, I think we live too much out of the flesh instead of allowing to come back to the fruit of the spirit. What is, what does that look like to filter my life through that, to filter my, my words through that, to filter my relationships through that, to filter even my online posts through that. Is this loving? Is this joyful? Is this peace? And, and yes, it's, you know, one of the thoughts there too is it's the fruit of the spirit. So it's what we believe as Christians that God does more of this in our lives. But I also think over and over, just like, Jerry Bridges' explanation of holiness in the pursuit of holiness, he says, there's a very clear biblical holiness that we have in Christ before God, and there's also a holiness we're called to work towards. That's the biblical model. I think in the same way, the fruit of the Spirit, yes, it's God working in us, but over and over again, the Bible says, we're to live at peace with all people, you know, do all things in love. And, and 1 Corinthians 13 tells us all about love and what love looks like to a world that probably in every culture is not quite understood what real love is. God shows us what it is. You know, it's not just for marriages. This is how you love the people around you. It's kind. It's not easily angered, you know, keeps no record of wrongs. And so there's just this kind of over and over again call through the scriptures, not only to truth, but to love and to the fruit of spirit, to what I would say maybe a summary could be is graciousness. You know, how I treat other people, how I interact with other people in my life. And so, just a thought that just kind of hit me through this process is that if we, if I'm growing in these, like my wife's going to like me more, you know, mm-hmm. my kids are going to love me more. They're going to respect me more. My, you know, my neighborhood and my workplace in my community, in our nation and in our world, people are going to be drawn to a Christian who's full of these things. And so we can't just carry truth. we got to carry love. It's like, it's both together. And the flip side of that is that the truth of God's word is where the power is. You know, the gospel is where the power is. If we start to move away from God's word and say, yeah, you know, people can live in sin. It's okay. We'll give license to sin, which the Bible warns against. That's scary ground, too. And we're untapping the power, unplugging the power cord to change people's lives. If we move away from the truth of God's word, we move away from the power to save. That change lives. And so... So we have to have both, like, and it's it's mm. a balance, and it's probably not something any of us ever perfect at. But we need this kind of conversation more than ever for a simple reason, and that's that this is the first generation of Christians in world history, through all human history, where we all have an online megaphone mm. through, through our social media, where, where things are going on. We're the first generation, also because of the internet and social media and twenty-four hour news media, to hear about every tragedy and problem in the world within seconds, right? Right away. We hear about it. If we open our phone, we're seeing everyone tweet about it. We're seeing it trending. And and we just are like compelled to respond to everything. And so we give our thoughts without thinking too hard to hundreds or thousands of friends that we're connected with from maybe even from back in middle school. We're still friends with those people on Facebook and we're giving our thoughts to everything that's going on. And we're just talking against things and we're not bringing hope. And so we have to like kind of pull back and go, how do we use this well? So this is why I think 
it's so important to have a conversation about how do we walk in truth and love as a believer? How do we draw people to Christ through our lives? And so that's really my just passion. And I'm just going off on you, you know, with all all this passion here today. But I just feel it so strongly. It's a personal desire more than even just writing the book. Just I just long to grow in these myself, spend my life growing in these as well. If you're just joining us, our guest today on the show is Matt Brown. You can connect with him on social media at Evangelist Matt. He's the founder of Think Eternity, father of three, wonderful husband, and author, evangelist, just an all-around great guy. Well, you've been talking, Matt. I've been thinking of uh, 1 John 3.18. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And just in perusing your book, I've thought about this verse again and again because so many believers, we want to love with words and speech, but not necessarily with truth attached to it and with actions attached to it. When I think about that passage, that's what really uh, your book caused me to lean into the word more. And I just love it when a book causes me to lean into the word of God. And that's why I'd encourage all of you to buy this book, pick it up. It's truth plus love. It's hot off the presses this month. You can pre-order it right now. Um, as this broadcast airs today. Um, And what I love, Matt, is you give us very practical advice how to influence the Jesus way. And so I want to ask you a a question that I was thinking about as I was looking through your newest book here. You know, we live in a culture that expresses love in a very relativistic way. Um, You know, you love someone by just allowing them to live whatever way they choose. In the minute you project a truth principle that is, um, doesn't lionize their behavior, but rather limits their behavior, they don't interpret that, the culture doesn't, as loving someone when you disagree with their behavior. So how is we, how do we, and I know you talk about this in your book, but for those that are listening, and perhaps they have a son or a daughter, grandson or grandchild, who is living in a way that is completely opposite of the Bible, and they don't interpret the standard as love, how do we love them but still uphold biblical Christianity? Mm, yeah, totally. It's such a powerful, potent question. I don't know that I'm the most qualified person to answer it, but what I would say is, especially talking to you, by the way, um, and all your pedigree and background in, in uh, all of this, but um, from my perspective, you know, I just believe um, people have asked me that question, and this has kind of just been a recurring theme over the last, six years as I've been thinking about this and pondering on this and praying about this and working towards this book is that, you know, people will say, well, Hey, all I need to do is speak the truth because to tell someone the truth is loving. Hmm. And that's partly true. Yeah. Partly true. But the Bible (laughs) clearly distinguishes between truth and love. So yes, it is true to tell somebody, Hey, if you head this way, you know, it's not going to end up well. Like, that is loving of a parent to say to their child, don't, don't do this. But we have to remember kind of in a sense, too, that not – again, this is the first generation, number one, with 24-hour news media, the Internet, where we're learning how to handle this constant barrage of kind of like just narratives. And like they're, they're living – you know, they, they run off of like getting us angry about stuff. Like let's be, just be honest about that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got to be careful not to play into that all the time. Like, we can't spend our life there. Like, God didn't meant it for, the, for anybody, let alone a Christian, to spend their life angry. You have the hope of the gospel, you know? And I think of the words of uh, one of the past, uh, um, I'm not thinking of his name right now, but he said, the early Christians didn't say, look what the world has come to. He goes, instead they proclaim, look who has come to the world. So, like, the world is always kind of... Um, 
full of bad news and full of struggle and full of pain. And of course, we hear about it now more than ever because of the mass information age that we're in. But secondly, it's so important to remember because of social media, the people we have relationships with, that we don't need to tell strangers how to live their life necessarily. We don't need to correct and win arguments against people that we're not as closely connected to. That's not to say that we shouldn't speak truth, by the way, in the culture, because there's a time and place for that. And we may all have different ideas and standards for what we feel that should look like. But I just don't think we should only be speaking truth. Love is separate. Love is, is a different thing that the Bible talks about how to treat people. And again, I just read, read and reread a couple of times, first Corinthians 13. What does love look like? Hmm. Just keep letting that get in your spirit. And honestly, we probably all need to be reminded of, like, the basic truths, like, more frequently than anything. Like, those are sometimes the simplest truths of the Bible are, like, the most profound. And sometimes those are the ones we need to be reminded of the most. And so looking at love, it's, it's kind, you know. It's not easily angered. And looking at the rest of the fruit of spirit and going, am I walking in kindness and self-control and gentleness? And what I would like to see more of the speaking of truth part even through social media, if it's possible, or in your conversations with people, is to come more across like a father who cares when we do correct somebody, when we do speak truth into a situation, to have the heart of God of compassion for people that, you know, the Bible says also in 1 Corinthians 13 that, like, you know, we're not, you know, in a sense, we're not the world police. Like, we can't expect non-Christians to live like Christians. That's right. And so there's this kind of it's all it's a complex thing. Like again, we could probably talk a couple hours about it. But but that said, um, you know, there is times to speak truth to be salt and light. Of course, uh, culture needs to hear from us sometimes. Let's be honest, right? Otherwise, they're going to go crazy. They need the believers. They need the Christians to say, "Hey, wait a second. You know, life is precious. All life. Mm. They need mm. us to, to say, "Hey, wait a second. You know, but they also need us to talk about grace more. That's right. Like we need to insert grace into the conversation more and we need to grow in how we love and connect with and care about people who believe completely different than we do. That shows, I think, the glory of God, the glory of the gospel in a world that's really searching, I think, for what we can offer here as believers if we tapped into this. So good. And friends, we've got to step away for a 90-second break, but when we return, we're going to stay on this theme of truth plus love. I'm going to talk to Matt about his section on joy, because it's something I think every Christian wants to increase the joy quotient in our lives. But there are very real-world hindrances to us having joy. And then I just love it, friends, because... Um, I've known about the ministry of Henrietta Mears my entire life, but Matt really mm. highlights it in his book. And unfortunately, that's a name that probably many of you are unfamiliar with. So I'm going to be asking about Henrietta Mears as well. And then I'm going to ask Matt what his unanswered question is as we ask all of our guests. So stay with us. We'll be back in 90 seconds. Welcome back. This is our final segment with evangelist Matt Brown. And again, I want to definitely encourage you to connect with his website, think.org. That's think with an E.org. And you can connect with him on social media at evangelist Matt. Uh, Matt, you talk in chapter three about joy. 
and which, of course, is one of the evidences of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, but you know, what I appreciated um, as just a dad of five triplets, I haven't slept in two and a half years since my triplets were born, just the real-life <laughs> obstacles. Uh, there are some serious hindrances to joy in our lives. Yeah. And can you give Christians permission about that first for a moment? But what are these hindrances, and how do we avoid the pitfalls? Well, I love that you're asking about this. first thing that I would say is, um, there's a book I read in the last few years, uh, 60 Days of Happiness by Randy Elkhorn, and it is unbelievably good, where he just makes the case over and over again from Scripture that God really does want us to be happy. And you can use the word Amen. happiness or joy. That's right. But joy, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So however you want to differentiate, Randy makes the case that joy and happiness are the same thing. You know, what it means to us maybe in our culture you know, some people get the wrong idea of happiness, that it's to live for your own pleasures. He's not saying that. He's just saying God wants you to find happiness in all the good things that he's created, not in bad things, not in not in wrongful, sinful pleasures. But he wants you to find joy and happiness in your life, and he cares about that. And he, he also said that he feels like that's an apologetic for the gospel. Like, people, everyone, every person on earth craves to be happy. They crave to have joy that Jesus gives. And if we just say, you know, happiness and joy aren't the same thing and we're crabby about life and about the church and about the world all the time, then we're not going to really show off this incredible joy. Like, if you come to Christ, people who come to Jesus, they are just flooded with joy, like, so clearly, you know? You don't have to tell them to. You don't have to go, hey, you should you should have joy. Christians have joy. No, like, they, they're teaching us how to have joy, right? That's but right. joy seems to wear off in our Christian lives, or it becomes challenge, or there, let me say it this way, there's obstacles to joy in the life of a believer, and the Bible says this. In Matthew 13, when Jesus talks about seed that's sown on different kinds of soil, there's things that can choke up the good things that God wants to do in your life, the joy, and he talks about the, um, the cares of this life. He talks about different obstacles or things that try to choke out the good work of the gospel in our heart and life, and you know, I just say that there's, you know, the Bible talks about rejoice in the Lord and keep your joy in the Lord and things like that over and over again in, in the New Testament and throughout the Bible. And I would just say that just some obstacles to joy that you can consider. And, of course, I write more of these in the book, but, um, you know, maybe comparison is a, is a big challenge nowadays mm. to joy. Uh, we look at people's Instagram feed and everyone's getting more likes than us and their pictures look nicer than us and their family's always happy, you know. And this is a real challenge in our culture more than any other time in history that we compare ourselves to everybody else. And I'm going to just be honest with you, Jeremy. I know that you don't struggle with this, but I do too. All of us mm, do, mm-hmm. probably. It's just like, man, you know, and some, that's sometimes why you take a break. Like, I just need to stop looking at social media because everybody's life is good because they're sharing their highlights. And I know my everyday life, my my ups and my downs. And so it just, um, that's a challenge to joy. We need to, like, take that, tackle that head on kind of with our identity in the gospel and that we've already been invited, that we've already been accepted, that we already have the greatest thing we could ever have right. in the gospel and in Jesus, that nothing in this world that could take place could add that much value to what we've already been given because of Christ and what he's done for us on the cross when we accepted mm-hmm. him. So that's one thought. You know, there's other there's other areas, though, of joy that we might struggle with. I know a big one. Uh, for for me, just with my culture, my family history is margin. Um, it's mm-hmm. easy as a passionate leader to be overly driven, to work too many hours, yes. to not give yourself enough time to get to the next meeting. And when we do that, 
our life kind of gets suffocated and joy gets suffocated in the process because we're not leaving space. Now, let me just give one example of that. If you're normally angry at the other cars on your way to work in the morning, give yourself 15 minutes extra Mm. to get to work. And suddenly you don't care. You know, suddenly you're not upset at everybody. So when we allow space in our lives and in our finances and in our schedules, in our relationships, when we give room to breathe, and I think it's a, going into more of a scriptural way to live, to have Sabbaths and times of rest yeah. for ourselves. When we live that way, suddenly there's more space for joy to grow, the joy that already has come to us in the gospel, that God wants to flourish in our lives, but if we're unintentional, not intentional about it, we might miss it. So powerful. Um, so good. And I appreciate so much, Matt, your transparency. And, and again, in the book, you go, you do a deep dive into six or seven things that, and that's just one chapter, friends. That's why you need to pick this book up, Truth Plus Love, The Jesus Way to Influence. So many other questions. Um, but I want to <laughs> move on to Henrietta Mears and the example that you give in your book of those who practice truth plus love. And so for the benefit of our audience, let people know who Henrietta Mears is and why you're highlighting her in your book. Yeah, so I'm just kind of borderline obsessed with Henrietta Mears. She lived and ministered in the 1930s and 40s, you know, 80 years ago. And um, her life, when I came across it, to see the impact of her life through the people she poured her life into and that she discipled, just truly was life-changing to to hear about. And so I began to read everything I could pick up and get my hands on about her. And uh, she was a, she was actually, uh, because of the, the radio side of this uh, show, of your show, she was um, from the Twin Cities. She was a teacher in Minneapolis Public High Schools. Up until her 40s, she did a kind of a sabbatical at one point in her life. And by the way, during that time, she'd teach at Sunday school at First Baptist Church in downtown Minneapolis. And wow. she um, took a sabbatical and visited uh, Southern California and visited Hollywood Presbyterian Church. That pastor had come up and preached at their church and really liked her really connected well with her as, as just one of the lay leaders in the church. And uh, her and her sister, she never married, by the way. Uh, her and her sister were all single. And so they went down there, and they're just relaxing and enjoying Southern California, went to the church. And that pastor asked her to come and be their Christian education director. She ended up saying yes to that um, after praying about it a lot and spent her life. It was originally hundreds of students and became up to like six or 7,000 young people that gathered for a youth group, college ministry, Hmm. and the Sunday school department. And she really changed Sunday schools in America. She had a dramatic effect on kind of discipleship across the nation and even around the world. She started a publisher. She became the director of a camp called Forest Home in the San Bernardino Mountains. But the biggest impact of her life is just through who she impacted and who she discipled. She had a massive impact on many people that we everyone listening probably was impacted by one of the ministries of the people that she impacted that's the crazy thing and you probably never heard her name before right she Hmm. she uh, mentored discipled or impacted the guy who started the navigators the guy who started young life uh the guy who started campus crusade for christ bill bonnet bright actually based it out of her home for three decades i believe in southern california uh she, the U.S. Senate chaplain for several decades, the chairman of World Vision for several decades. The, she had an uh, impact on Ronald Reagan, who was a part of one of her, her, um, uh, one of her Christian actor groups of Bible studies. She had a massive impact on Billy Graham and his faith um, right before the L.A. crusade. And I'm sure through the rest of his ministry, when 
God really broke through in a significant mm-hmm. way in American history, and uh, and many more. And so, so she just she literally single-handedly impacted the next generation and generations to come. And there was so much good fruit that came out of her life. So she was a great example. I just love her. It's so powerful because I don't know if it was Jay Vernon McGee or Billy Graham, but somebody, every time he preached at her church, said he had to check his notes before he preached because he knew Henrietta Mears was in the audience. <laughs> I'm sure. She just knew the Bible. She loved the Bible. And she understood. You know, she, she had a phrase, one of my favorite quotes ever. She said, Christianity is not adding a burden to your life. It's adding power. Amen. I love that. Amen. And so she understood that there's power in the Word of God, and she she had such a reverence and respect for the Word of God. That was one of the ways that she impacted Billy Graham. He was struggling with his faith because of a friend, and you can read a little bit about this in Lee Strobel's book, The Case for Faith, where he talks about this friend of Billy Graham who had been an evangelist who began to doubt his faith. Mm-hmm. And that guy was really going after Graham shortly before the L.A. Crusade. She spent some time with Henrietta Mears and J. Edwin Orr at Forest Home. And he was so discouraged, he, was, he came in to preach, but he wasn't going to preach. But God just broke through in his life in a mighty way at Forest Home one night. And he preached the next morning. Hundreds of people came to Christ, and just a few weeks later was the L.A. Crusade. So significant impact because of her understanding. And she, she just held that word of God high because she said Jesus did. Jesus quoted the Old Testament not as ancient fables, but as history and as God's holy word. Mm. And And... If we can trust Jesus, we can trust the whole Bible. We can trust the Old Testament, too, and all the stories that are in there. So good. And again, friends, uh, that book um, is Truth Plus Love. It releases this month. I want to encourage you to add it to your Christian library. He talks about Henrietta Mears, Matt Brown does, as such a great exemplar of a person who lived lived a life that was truth plus love in such a great and encouraging way. I want to encourage you with that. Final question, Matt. We only have about three and a half minutes to go. Um, I am so encouraged by the transparency. I think transparency is the new superpower to reach people. I ask all of our guests here on this program what their unanswered question is. Uh, Perhaps they've already found the answer. Perhaps they're struggling with it right now. A different way of saying it, if you could ask Jesus one question today, what would it be? Hmm, Definitely. And I know we'll We'll get a lot of those answers in heaven. Are you, by the way, do you answer these questions when I when people ask them? You like give guests the answers they've always wanted from Jesus, or no? Uh, no, no. I <laughs> we, we leave it we leave it hanging. That's why people listen again into the next week. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm teasing. Um, I would say, um, I think you know, probably that just just the suffering in the world, the pain in the world, and I just even think of some personal losses that we've had in our family and our relatives uh, that have been tragic and. and and just thinking of even just maybe on a, a smaller level, the challenges sometimes that, you know, we face in ministry or the challenges that you face mm-hmm. in life, even, even as a believer who really loves the Lord, you know, just kind of like, what was the purpose of that? Or why didn't yeah. you make it easier? Or why didn't you kind of come through in some of those moments when it, we felt like we needed you so bad? And I partly know the answer is that God doesn't work on our timetable, that he um, it teaches us things through the waiting and through through the fragility of life, but but I still just I'd love to hear Jesus answer that question. I would love it. Yeah. So I need it. So. So powerful, friends. Um, our guest today has been Evangelist Matt Brown, and I want to encourage you to connect with him on social media. 
come to one of the events. He's probably preaching in your area soon, and you can hear all about that um, if you just connect with him on social media. I want to ask you to pray for his ministry and support his ministry financially. It's Think Eternity. Um, he's doing such a unique work. Um, we didn't have time to discuss it today, but I laughed out loud when I read in your introduction, Matt, that you boasted you didn't need a cell phone when you were in Bible college, and now you're yeah. getting influence <laughs> to so many people online. Um, and it just is a great example for us as how of the shift that's occurring in culture, but there's so many opportunities to express the gospel and truth, but exemplify love. And Matt, you're doing such a great work. I hope that this is the first of many times you'll come back to the program. Oh, it'd be an honor. Thank you so much. Such a privilege. Appreciate your friendship. Uh, you too, friend. All right, friends, we're going to be back, and I'm going to be taking your unanswered questions. You can submit those over at askjjj.com. And again, don't forget to pick up Truth Plus Love. We'll be back in 90 seconds. back to the show. I want to jump right to your questions that have been submitted on AskJJJ.com. Madison writes, Hi, Dr. Johnston. I'm a Christian and currently a freshman in college. I've been diagnosed with anxiety, and after having a bad reaction to medicine, I've been going crazy about the fear of death and the fear of hell. I know I'm a good person, but I tend to mess up a ton. I've had sex before marriage. I'm trying to get unaddicted to something. I like to go out and fun, have fun and party, and frankly, I just don't know how strict God is. And my biggest fear is that when Judgment Day comes, God will turn away from me. I've seen on religious Instagram accounts that God will turn away from continual sinners. And although I'm trying to stop and do repent, I just feel as if he's upset with me. And I don't know what to believe anymore, which is really depressed and scared me. If you could help me at all, I'd really appreciate it. Madison, thanks so much for your question and your transparency. First off, the good news, biblically, we do not get to heaven based on our performance. We get to heaven based on Jesus Christ and his substitutionary death on the cross for me. That means he, the punishment that literally was meant for you and for me, Madison, was actually put on Jesus on the cross. His death is literally... His pl- he died in the place of our sin on the cross. That's the beauty of the gospel. And he rose from the grave three days later, showing that that sacrifice was acceptable to God. I go to heaven based on my relationship with Jesus Christ that is based on forgiveness, not on anything I've done or accomplished or haven't done or bad decisions I've made. Guess what? You're not alone. Having said that, though, when we become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes to live with inside us, and the Holy Spirit convicts us when we don't live right. And so just the very reason that you're questioning and that you're concerned about your spiritual life shows me that the Holy Spirit is within you, because otherwise you wouldn't care. You just would chuck it all, and it wouldn't even matter. But the fact that you're sensing a conviction from your sin And sensing that God wants to be closer to you should give you even more assurance of your salvation. But there's no question that God wants us to live in fellowship with him continually. And sure, we have troubles and we all have sin challenges at different parts, times in our life. We don't want to live that way habitually. And so the Bible says that God always gives us a way of escape from temptation. So, Madison, if you will trust Christ... If you will make sure you've trusted in the gospel and Jesus Christ for your forgiveness, and it sounds like you have, 
Um, live for Jesus Christ, memorize the Bible, walk in the fear of the Lord, not in some kind of judgmental sense, but in the sense of God's holiness and that he's chosen to have a relationship with you. It's a powerful thing to think about. Memorize scripture for those areas where you're being challenged. That has been a huge blessing to me. And then those scriptures will empower you when temptation comes. Uh, Here's Lillian Helton, who's asking a question. How can young teens or youth handle depression and anxiety? I'm really struggling with getting my life together. Just when I think it's coming together, another problem pops up and it falls apart. Lillian, um, so sorry that you're, again, here's a second question, friends. I'm just going right through the list here of those that are struggling with anxiety and depression and how to handle it. Number one, <coughs> number one, Lillian, I think you already know this. We can't do it alone. And so I'm really grateful that you're reaching out for help. I have to encourage you to get involved in a youth ministry Find a youth pastor or a youth worker that you can talk to about the depression that you're dealing with and the anxiety, what the triggers are, what some coping mechanisms are. Of course, and I hope you already know this, bathe your mind in the Bible. The Bible obviously empowers our Christian life. We can't be a strong Christian and not study the Bible. We can't have a strong mind and not bathe our mind in Scripture But have you given thought to perhaps seeing a Christian counselor? And it's very important that we see a Christian counselor, not just any old counselor, but a Christian counselor with a biblical worldview that can walk through any of these challenges with you. Um, Make sure you do these steps and then get some great content. My book, Unanswered, is a great resource for you that talks about how we can overcome some intervention steps, coping mechanisms, and how we can grow in Christ even even when somebody's struggling with depression and anxiety. Friends, um, thank you so much for these questions. There's so many more I want to get to, but I always want to try to provide a substantive answer, not just a quickie answer. Thanks so much for joining us today on the program. I've loved it. I've loved having you aboard. And for sure, subscribe to our podcast. I'll see you next week on The Jeremiah Johnston Show. Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Thanks for listening to the podcast from The Jeremiah Johnston Show. I definitely want to hear from you, so if you have a follow-up question from today's program, you can submit it to me at www.askjjj.com. You'll also see how you can connect with us from there across social media. And don't forget, these conversations are available because of listener support. And you can make a gift right now to the Faith Radio Network at www.myfaithradio.com. And to avoid missing future editions of The Jeremiah Johnston Show, please subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. You can do a Google Play, RSS feed. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of the program.